Welcome to the Trevor Turnbull Show, where you'll hear vulnerable, honest stories that will inspire you to embrace your mess and live your best life. Welcome to the show, everyone. My guest today is Ryan McKenzie. So Ryan and I met about seven or eight years ago, I want to say, through mutual contacts in Vancouver. I think the first time we probably actually met was down at a digital marketer conference down in San Diego, if I'm not mistaken. And we kind of joked about it today that we had this, um, this amazing group of people that would get together at these conferences that were all from Vancouver. And then we hardly ever saw each other in Vancouver, which was quite ironic. But, you know, in the last like five years or so, uh, Ryan actually had an office very close to mine in Burnaby, which is just outside of Vancouver. And we used to go for lunches at Earl's and just hang out and just talk. And and I just always really enjoyed our conversations. And we kind of referenced it on the interview here today. We talked a bit about masterminds and about, you know, finding your tribe and walking into a room or, or being surrounded by people where you feel normal for the first time. And, you know, Ryan spoke uh, very honestly, vulnerably about some of the, you know, personal struggles that he's even had along the way with anxiety as an entrepreneur and just the, you know, for lack of a better term, the addictive nature of true entrepreneurship where you just live it, eat it, breathe it all the time. And then ultimately how that shifted and changed over the years of before he had kids to now having kids and what comes up for him in when we talk about that, right? Because actually just bringing it to the surface a lot of times allows for self-reflection of like, am I present enough with my kids? Am I being the example that I want to for them so that they can go off and be curious and and you know follow their dreams and all that kind of stuff, knowing that our kids look at us so intensely and they mirror who we are, right? Not necessarily what we say, but who we are. So that was part of the conversation. And then the other piece too is that, you know, and I say this as a, as a byproduct, which is an incredible byproduct, but Ryan created this company along with his partners called True Earth. And it started out as an idea and an investment and a patent. Uh, essentially, it's these little strips of laundry detergent that come in a tiny little box and massively reduce the amount of waste that's being put into our landfills in the form of plastic and all of that kind of stuff. And he spoke about the vision behind the why of why did he decide to jump into that business? Because there was risk associated with it. Obviously, he spoke about that as well, knowing that at any point, one of the big companies of the world in the laundry detergent space could come in and just wipe them out. And he, t- he talked about why he ultimately took that leap. And, you know, it wasn't just a financial risk analysis. It was it was also rooted in the world that he wanted to see and the world that he wanted to leave behind for his kids. And it's just really, it was such an insightful conversation. I think anybody who is an entrepreneur, who aspires to be an entrepreneur and wonders what that journey looks like, uh, especially from the perspective of somebody like Ryan, and I think you'll know what I mean when you meet him, that has an addictive personality, like I said, that has this like obsessive personality where when he goes in, he goes all in and he goes and finds his mentor and he invests the money to make it happen. And, you know, when we talked about when it finally clicked for True Earth and they saw this like ding, 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 all these sales coming in, the average person might go, oh shit, now what? Ryan gets energy from it. He's that kind of guy. He's wired like that. And there's lots of other people out there like that. Not everybody, but 
if you're like that, if you're somebody that's thinking like, oh man, yeah, that would like, I could put my skills to work now that this thing is taken off. I think you're going to really enjoy learning about Ryan's story and just the heartfelt uh, perspective that he's coming from with regards to, I don't want to say finding balance in life, but ultimately just owning who you are and leaning all the way in and uh, loving every minute of it, knowing that it's a crazy, crazy journey. It really is. So uh, let's go ahead and give this episode a listen. All right, Ryan McKenzie, what's happening, my friend? It's been way too long. Yeah, I think the, I think the last time I actually saw you was at the monster trucks with our kids. Oh, that's yeah, man. That was and that was at least like three years ago, probably wasn't it? Yeah, with Matt Astefan and Tyler uh, Bas- Basu. Basu. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was pre-pandemic when you could jam. 50,000 people in a building full of monster trucks. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, I remember those photos. Our kids were much younger. And um, and actually, on that note, too, I was reflecting on my notes here, too. And since that time, we've each had another kid, and we named them both Bodhi. And neither one of us yeah. called each other to do that, did we? <laughs> no, it was just a... Yeah, that was total... Uh, t- total some sort of... Uh, uh, Buddhist fluke. <laughs> yeah. It's a serendipitous moment. I remember that chat actually on Facebook. I could go back into messenger and I think I maybe said it out loud first and you're like, what? You named a kid Bodie. That's amazing, man. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> there was some deeper meaning there somewhere, but yeah, yeah man. But, uh, I, I, and again, on my notes, I was just reflecting. I was like, what, what do I want to talk about with Ryan? Cause there's, there's so many different things, but I remember our, our lunches at Earl's and they were just so fun. You know, it was just chatting about business and life and everything in between. And I was actually just remembering today because dude, I did a hundred burpees two days ago on a challenge and every ounce of my body hurts right now. And I remember back then too, (laughs) where you were telling me about how you had hired this coach remotely. And I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. You know, like a remote coach via zoom. Like this was obviously all pre what we're dealing with right now, but I've always admired that about you, man. Like you, when you commit to something, you go all in, you know, like you invest in yourself, your time, your money, everything in between. So, um, yeah, I was looking forward to talking with you, man, and just kind of resurrecting those conversations again and getting the update from you. I, I, could use, I could use some burpees right now because I've, I've gone, uh, <laughs> I've gone full in on, on dad bod right now. Yeah. <laughs> cholesterol cholesterol could probably use some work too yeah well hey we go through cycles right no different than entrepreneurship and business and everything in between but um it was a wake-up call for me two days ago too because yeah when the challenge came out it's a it was a part of this uh challenge group that i joined and they basically said you got two options here one is you can do a cold plunge for three to five minutes or you can do 100 burpees lean into the one that feels more resistant right now. And I've been, I don't know if you've ever done cold plunging before, but I bought a tank, like a horse oh, trough nice. essentially, and threw it on my deck just before Christmas. And I've gone in like 18 times now, I think. And now I'm up to like 14 minutes in it. So it's quite easy and really enjoyable. I love it. But burpees. Is it, is it, is it worse? Is it worse than a cold shower? Because I, I always get started and I, 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 just can't keep myself in yeah it isn't it isn't though like it's different you know like there was people actually that did the challenge where they were in ontario and every lake is frozen and nobody's got a horse trough on their deck like i do (laughs) but so they went and jumped in the snowbank and like that's 
totally worse too, right? Because it's like centralized cold on a very specific part of your body. The um, the cold plunging, yeah, it shocks the hell out of you. But at some point, though, too, within thirty seconds to sixty seconds, it just you just start to calm down, and you know your whole body kind of goes numb. But it is very different than the cold shower because it's everywhere, right? It's not like yeah. splashes of water type thing. Yeah, because the cold, the cold, the cold shower. Like you know, when once you've gone through it, like you feel pretty good after. I find even like, you know, I'll yeah. be a, a big, a big pussy, and I'll like do like the reverse boiling frog, where I'll like slowly turn the water down, and like yeah. I find that's tolerable. I don't know if it has as much impact on your your vega nerve and and actually uh, the benefits, but I, that that's about the only way that I can consistently do it. Uh, <laughs> but you know. And by consistently, I mean like once a year. Yeah. Well, I'll send you over my uh, my suggested buying list of the 150 gallon horse trough, and then I upgraded as well and got the deicer because we had some seriously cold weather in Kelowna here over the holidays, and it froze solid like two inch block of ice. So another, it's like 220 bucks. You're you're set, man. Just throw in the backyard and you're good to go. So just gotta just gotta get my my wife on board with that. I'm sure. Yeah. But, well, or just do it for yourself. Just do it for yourself. Tell her it's a swimming I'll hide, pool. I'll, I'll, I'll hide it around the house and uh, <laughs> pretend like it's not there. Yeah. Tell her it's a swimming pool. It's for the kids, right? Um. But yeah, to that point though, too. Like like I say, I I didn't have any agenda coming into the conversation, but I knew that I wanted to talk to you about a handful of things. One is just the evolution of um your business, which has completely shifted in what you're doing and in, in your focus. And I didn't know that until about 10 minutes ago when we first started chatting. Uh, True Earth, obviously, um, incredible, you know, just seeing it from the outside in. Uh, I'm seeing the ads. I'm seeing like the the cool, you know, quote unquote viral videos you guys are creating and and ultimately just seeing the impact that it's that it's creating as well. I, I pulled up a couple of Facebook and LinkedIn posts that you put out recently about winning some awards and stuff about, um, you know, second fastest growing startup in Canada. And when I mentioned true earth to other people, like even neighbors and stuff, they're like, Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of that. And then now we're seeing it in London drugs. And, and obviously it has a bigger impact than just like building a company and making a bunch of money. It has like a, an actual foundational root to it. That's really inspiring too. So, but, um, Man, where do I even start with you? There's there's just so much stuff. I, I want you to talk about you. And you know what? Let's talk about True Earth. Let's let's start there and then maybe we'll jump back into some things. But like, what's that journey been like for you, man? Because it's only been like a couple of years, right? When you started it, how'd you even come up with the idea? And then maybe tell everybody about the evolution of that as well. Yeah, I mean, we're about 30, we're, I think about 34 months in at this point. And okay. we've, we've had about... I don't know. I think we're close to 650,000 total customers, uh, have, uh, have purchased from us at this point, at least, uh, you know, from direct to consumer and the Amazon perspective. But it's funny, you know, a lot of when, when, before this all started, and this is kind of around the time before, I think your Bodhi was, was fairly new and my Bodhi was still in the womb. Yeah. Um, and fairly, fairly new father. Like our, our, our older kids are pretty similar in age. Yeah. And like, there's like, so, as as an entrepreneur or whatever, in, in prior to having kids, I was always like, yeah, whatever happens in the world, you know, I'll just deal with it. I just got to roll with the punches, and that's just that's life, right? Yeah. And then after having kids, you start your perspective on on things like drastically changes, and like I was getting all sorts of these new anxieties that I had never had before, like you know, fear of overpopulation, fear of like climate change and where are they going to live when they grow up? Is AI going to take their jobs? Like 
and I'm I'm kind of I'm not I wouldn't call myself a futurist like with a label, but I spend a lot of time thinking about the future. Um, yeah. and I was like I was getting really anxious. I, I was talking to Kevin about it all the time, and uh, my business partner Kevin, which which you know, but uh, yeah. the, the audience doesn't. Uh, and yeah. and uh, and uh, this opportunity had popped up initially um, to to Brad, who's our CEO. Uh, and it was uh, a, basically a family friend had invested in this patent, and he's like, "Hey, I have this. We have these like these these laundry strips. Which, if you're watching, got on the screen. That, oh, there you go. And watch your clothes. Yep. Oh yeah, shit! Did, you know what? I got them upstairs. I meant to bring them down and show them on the camera oh. too, but I got them in the house, don't, don't, man. Yeah. I got plenty here. I got plenty here. That, <laughs> so, so they brought this up, and they're like, "You guys could do like the Dollar Shave Club of laundry." And like, what's what was kind of weird that was happening at the same time is we were juggling all these other businesses that were like subscription boxes and media platforms, yeah. magazines. I remember and that. I was also going through this phase in my head where like, like I, it, whenever I would get close to being burnt out, it would always be like, what is this all for? Like why, like this, what is, like, am I just pursuing money? Like I, I'm, I'm passionate about outdoor adventure stuff, or at least I was prior to having kids. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, a lot of the things were more tied to marketing and, and, uh, and it's, it's great even when you're working on something that you have passion for, like, you know, to be out there doing it. But like when you have too many balls in the air and you eventually get to this point, like if you, if you lose your mind and go crazy, like I often do, like, what, what is this all for? And especially when it comes down to money, like I had other opportunities for, for jobs and stuff that paid fairly well, that didn't involve all the stuff that you take home. And, uh, you know, I, I probably could have been, well, maybe not me, but most people would probably be happy just, you know, getting paid and not having a ton of risk. Yeah. And, uh, this opportunity presented itself. And at first I'm like, there's no way that we're going to be able to compete with, first of all, I don't think the strip's going to work. And then second of all, there's no way that we could compete on such an inexpensive item, uh, in, in the today's climate, as well as like, if the big boys, the big giants of the industry want to come and stomp on us, right. it, you know, it's game over. And so we kicked it around for a while. And, uh, one day I was like having a shower and I had a couple of ideas about, you know, environmental stuff and then came upstairs and my kids and I were watching, um, uh, YouTube and they're watching this unboxing show and they opened this like treasure chest and it was like made of plastic and the, wrapped in plastic and had all these dopamine bomb toys inside that were plastic on plastic, plastic toys. Dude, kids are like garbage obsessed with yeah. those shows. Hey. Oh, it's so bad. And <laughs> I, I looked at all the plastic at the end and I was like, I'm like, I, I'm totally done virtue signaling. Um, like, I feel like I'm complaining to everybody about the future. Like, yeah. and, and I didn't have one specific thing. And I was like looking at the plastic and I'm like, it's freaking plastic. That's, that's, that's where I could potentially have impact. Um, yeah. so we did some research and found that the numbers were like staggering how many plastic jugs get, uh, thrown in landfills and can't be recycled every year. And, you know, a few months later we, we launched the product and, and we were like, okay, well, if we were, we, we've had this conversation before we're, we're, we have this process, we call it VLOS, VLOS. It's like validate, launch, optimize scale in the validate and early launch phase. If we don't hit the number that we write out, we, we pack it in and we're like 150, we got to sell 150 of these products. And if we do, then we'll, we'll carry on. And we sold more than 1500 in the first month. So, wow. you know, fast forward to now. 34 months later and 640,000, uh, customers. It's been, a, it's been a journey. <laughs> no doubts, no doubts. And, and it's because you've been in the entrepreneurial world and a marketer and stuff for years and years. And prior to having kids, 
had multiple things going on, right? There was always something new. Like every time I talked to you, you're like, yeah, we got a box, this box thing, and we got a warehouse over here. And oh, by the way, you know, we have this um, uh, media company also. And uh, did you know that we have this software? And I was like, dude, how do you keep track of all these things? But, you know, to hear the purpose and the why behind it, and then ultimately know what you're getting into, though, too, because it's a startup still, too, right? Like there's still a lot of elements to... um starting something from scratch and, and, you know, getting those first round of orders. Did you ever see that? I'm sure you've seen this before. Did you ever see that old UPS commercial where all the people are hovered around a computer and they're like selling t-shirts or whatever? Go. Yeah. Click go or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And they're looking and they're like, you know, there's a little clicker. It's like, click. It's like, all right. 10. It's like, oh, and a hundred. Like, yeah. And then it just starts going and they're like, oh shit. Now what? <laughs> you know, like it's a great storytelling commercial. And actually it speaks well to kind of how you guys have evolved this too, because you've, you've taken something that uh, had a personal attachment to it and you've wrapped your, and I don't even want to call it a marketer brain. It's just literally a storytelling brain. Somebody, somebody that can actually extract the the meaning behind it or the thing that would get people to rally behind it. Because ultimately, like you say, all of those other factors stacked up against you sounds crazy. Like how could you compete? Right. One big name in this space catches on potentially, unless you build a brand and you build your own little niche, they can come in and wipe you out at any time. And it takes a certain kind of person to even just leap into that void. Um, Maybe speak about that too. Like your experience up to that point where you're like, yeah, let's do this. And, you know, has it always been kind of natural for you? And what what do you think some of the characteristics have made that made you successful on all of these things, too? And have they all been successful, too? I guess maybe even share some yeah. of that. Yeah, I mean, not everything's been successful, right? Like, it's that saying, it's like overnight success, 20 years in the making or whatever, so whatever tr- trite version of that you want to you want to you want to choose from right like they're they're you know we started out with like a media company and then we went into affiliate marketing and then we were doing seo and like a uh uh had an seo agency and then we built this startup that people could contribute content to and they would get paid and then google slapped the shit out of us and then yeah you know and then we got into meet the uh into, into media and like it's funny like i tell this story and, but I'm, I'm missing out on the parts where like you know i had to go and get a job in 2009 i had to sell cell phones for one of the larger carriers in canada and i was mm. embarrassed like in, like super embarrassed um but uh, you know i eventually like like week two in, they sent me to like their their sales training and i'm like okay ryan here's, here's the deal you can either you know <laughs> just do this to make the money or what, what can you learn from this? Like, can you like, let's, let's learn, let's learn how to do sales because originally I was just like telling people all the features of the phones. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I sucked it all up and, um, one of the, it's funny, I'll just give you a quick anecdotal story here, but like when I was working there, um, nobody liked doing the repairs and the salespeople had to do the repair, like process the repairs. And what I eventually found was that a lot of the people that were coming in with their broken phone, instead of looking at them like a nightmare, I started looking at them as an opportunity to get them on a new contract. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think it was the second year that I worked there uh, and I was only working 20 hours a week. I think I had the second highest sales numbers in British Columbia and I was only working half time. Hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying I'm a fantastic salesperson. I'm just saying that I found like th- a lot of that has to do with me finding something that other people didn't want to do and is uncomfortable and it generally sucks because you, you also have to like people don't come in happy with a broken phone. Totally. So making them 
trying to, you know, transfer their negative energy into like empathy and then working with them to figure out a solution that has them with a phone that day. And, uh, that, that, what I did eventually, there's a bit of a loophole that eventually got plugged, uh, where the cell phone prices got too expensive for, in order for me to kind of do wiggle room with promos. But, yeah. uh, like, you know, that's just, that's just an example of like, of like trying, my, my personality type is like, I feel like everything, there's like an edge or like the, some sort of like competitive advantage you can get on just about anything if you dig hard enough and you talk to the right people and you get coached by the right people, you know, and they don't always last forever, but I just have that, like, it's always in the back of my mind, like yeah. everything that I get into, like, I know there's another level that people don't know about and I, it's probably a fallacy, but I almost always find one. Yeah. Well, and that's to me, I, I just, I'm just going to make a note about it. So I remind myself of something else, but it's the curiosity, I think, of of um, trying to find innovative ways to solve problems, knowing that ultimately in marketing, that is the foundational element, right? Like, yeah, you're selling these little strips. Great. You know, go sell that based on um, uh, features, right? <laughs> yeah. But you ground it in like, well, what's the problem and what's the pain it's creating? And then ultimately, what is the path to the solution to be able to narrow the gap? And that's kind of marketing 101, right? So doing that and then also just being curious and the, and this is where I was saying at the start that I've I've admired how you've uh, the approach that you've always taken cuz you and I I think originally met going to you know because we were in Vancouver but you know we would go to the same conferences we went to Digital Marketer yeah. and you know had a lot of fun nights hanging out in penthouses and just being crazy <laughs> and shout out to Charles Bird on that one we always like to give yeah. him a hard time but <laughs> I think what I, again, what I've admired about you though, is that you've, you've went seeking solutions to problems, not by just trying to dig in and figure it all out yourself, but rather going, you know what? I think somebody's probably solved this already before. And one of the people that comes to mind was, um, ad skills. What's, uh, Justin? Oh, Justin Brooks. Yeah. 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 I remember you telling yeah. me about him and I, you know what? I have his book here somewhere too, but he was just one example of one of those things. Like I remember you saying like, yeah, you know, I, I found this guy and he was a, a mentor and I've just kind of dove in and then you just immerse yourself in the thing. You get really good at it. And then I would imagine now, like, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but are you in the trenches on everything that you do there? Or you've had to naturally expand probably and build a team around you. I'm guessing. For sure, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I do miss being in, in the trenches a lot of it, but yeah, we've got like we've got a <laughs> tremendous team now. Like, we've got like our director of marketing, Kyle. He he came from Johnson and Johnson. We've got media buyers. We've got, you know, we've got marketing ops. We've got social media people. We've got um, copywriters. Like, we, I mean, so we we have a proper a proper marketing team. Um, you know, and I, I get to work more on the business, which yeah. You know, is for me that's kind of like my challenge right now is becoming a better, better. I mean, better at being a leader, better at like yeah. you know the skills required to be um, in that spot. And I, you know, I am like far from amazing at this point. You know, it's like it's a, it's a, it's and that's it's a it's a opportunity for growth. Kind of like you uh, choosing to do the hundred burpees. Um, there's a lot of times where I'm like, I don't this this is not the thing that is my favorite thing to do, but yeah. it's it's necessary for the business. Um, and yeah, that's it's it, you know I think like you 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 mentioned that like I go and I see I seek out the things that that are uh, 
that help me improve whatever it is that I'm looking to do. And, you know, I just like to kind of counter that with like, and I'm not trying to knock myself down, but I'm also extremely imbalanced. I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm not a balanced human being. Like, you know, I, 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 I walk by garbage on the floor and I, and I don't see it. And my wife thinks that I'm, you know, being an ass. And the, the, the fact is, is that I, because of the way that I think about stuff and get obsessed with things and, like constantly in my own head, I don't notice things sometimes. And like, mm. could I be, I could be a better dad. I could be a better husband. I could be a better friend. You know, there's a whole bunch of things that I probably should improve in my life. And, you know, just, just to, to you know, I'm, everybody's got their own set of issues and I, I'm trying to become more balanced. I've been trying for a long time. I'm aware of what are my personal limitations and, you know, for me, it's how do I become better at those things while also, letting myself do the things that I like doing in my head, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, like Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about the idea of like double down on your strengths. Don't focus on your weaknesses. Right. And I think there's a bit of a flaw to that just in the context of what we're even talking about of like, yeah, absolutely. Like do the thing that you love and that you're, you know, really exceptional at, but then also push into those those painful areas, the areas where you feel struggle, that type of thing, because a lot of times the growth happens there. And then I'm curious to know, too, so like you stepping into more of a leadership role now where you're less in the trenches and kind of managing the ad campaigns and just doing all the stuff that I know you're like freaking amazing at, man. Where have you turned to for guidance on that side of things? And I know Brad's awesome. Like he, he's exceptional as, as that kind of person. I think that's where he's really gained a lot. And you know what? Yeah, I do have his book here. Just hold on. (laughs) Wait, I got to take my headset off, but I want to show this just because it's a great example of like, you know, one of your partners right here, right? Clear the mind for success. Learning meditation for business, Mr. Brad Liskey, right there. Go, go, go buy it on Amazon. But yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, Brad, Brad, Brad's, Brad's obviously been a tremendous, um, a tremendous like mentor. Uh, even like you know, even like hiring, like so, like like Kyle, he's he's uh, he's our director of marketing now, and he's he's got uh, his MBA like Ivy League caliber, and he's you know, there's a lot of things that he does, and he's familiar with that that, that I'm not familiar. So we're actually we have a, a really good relationship where we're teaching each other the like complementary skills because it's funny when I was originally going to hire somebody for director of marketing I was looking for somebody that actually almost like mimicked my skills mm. and it was like a last last minute pause and like you don't need more of you I mean I, I, I don't think anybody needs more of me, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe they do. I don't know. But oh, but, I can uh, never get enough uh, of you, uh, man. No, but humor is. We need somebody. We need we need people that that complement each other. And you know, if you if you just have a bunch of clones, you're 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 not really getting. uh, You're not getting different insights. You're not like. And so Kyle's filled a lot of gaps there, and he's he's learned a lot from from him. But um, where else? You know, I'm in I'm in masterminds. I'm in Ezra Firestone's mastermind. He's he's a great leader. Um, Picking up some stuff from them. Are him and his team. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, like it's just trying to buckle down and do the work. And, uh, I actually like listen to a heck of a lot less books than I used to when I do, I'm like reading, reading or listening to more fiction than I used to. Hmm. Um, which is, which is funny because the whole hustle, entrepreneurial hustle, uh, starter kit says read a book a week and, yep. <laughs> and yep, totally. I, you know, 
just, I think when, I guess it depends, and I'm totally tangenting here, but it really depends, I think, where you are in your life or your business. And, um, Naval Raktavan, I think is his name. He, he mentioned a pretty interesting way to consume information. And it's when you're, when you're trying to learn something or build a framework, he actually, he, he seeks out books that can fill the gaps in his framework. Mm. And he doesn't read the whole book. He'll just go and isolate the part of the book that talks about the portion of his framework that he hasn't quite identified yet. And he'll use different books to, to fill that framework. So I mean, most books, half of it, like, especially business books, half of it's like the story of the person who wrote it. And then, yeah. you know, there's like, so. Yeah. The unique methodologies buried on page 250 and you could have just mm-hmm. jumped to it kind of thing or watched the video. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And like, and like, I think like you, whatever you're currently struggling with, that's great. Go and dig in into, into that and read the whole book, a bunch of books on that. But like, I think there's like this stigma that you need to read one book a week and the problem with that is is that you're bouncing from topic to topic and some of the authors don't necessarily agree with each other so you're you're like building half frameworks and models and you're putting more information into your brain and if you're if you're struggling with anything at any given point in my opinion you're better off like getting that out of your head figuring out why you're struggling with it identifying the problem identifying a potential solution and that might be through reading a book and then like get that out of your head because it's like I, I know everybody's different but i get overwhelmed and i get so overwhelmed that i'm like getting like like almost like sick yeah and and i and i start feeling depressed and the only and like over and over and over and over and over again the only thing that i found that solves it is to literally write down all the things and mm. and then break them into what can i do in 5 minutes or 10 minutes and what what is a bigger project and as soon as i knock off some of those like 15 minute things that are just like piling up it's like it all goes away and yeah. um sorry this again the longest tangent but no the same, it's perfect, the same thing man. goes you know you figure out you you you, you the the first part to solving a problem or dealing with uh, personal stress is to identify what's causing that problem and then isolating it and, and dealing with it. No, there's a lot of good insight in everything that you shared there. You know, like what is one of the best ways to become a better leader? Well, surround yourself with leaders, you know, don't, don't just try and become the next of everything. Just bring them into your, your world and let them do what they do best. And um, a lot of times, and I think you've, you just had a good self-reflection on that though, too, is that we want to find clones of ourselves. You know, every time I've led in a company, I've felt the same way too, right? I'm thinking like, man, I got to find entrepreneurial thinking people that just want to like, th- you know, be outside the box and, and go the extra mile. And then you realize as you build a company that like, you can't just have, you know, 20 Ryans or 20 Trevors or else everybody's just doing their own damn thing. And like, I joke around about it all the time. You could probably relate to this, but when I describe what I do, even when I'm in a company, because as you know, I sold my business. So I became a part of a, a larger group and then I took on an executive role. And eventually I hit a point where I was like, man, I got to go back to just kind of floating on my cloud for a little bit here. And that's literally how I referenced it. You know, it's like, I just want to go kind of do my own thing. You know, it's no offense. I don't not like you. I'm just, I just know I need the next thing. I'm seeking the next evolution of me and my growth. And, and a lot of times I, when I dive into that, it's very similar process to what you're saying, which is just to just go, all right, back it up. Where's the gap? Where's the thing that I'm feeling that I need to fill that void. And it might not even be for long. It might just be for a couple of months or just a fleeting moments or whatever. But 
I know for me as an entrepreneur, I feel like um, it's been a learned process. I get energy from that and I get anxiety for the opposite side of that. Like you were saying, you know, yeah. like if I stay in something for too long and I kind of lose the drive for it, like I, I've learned enough now to be self-aware to go, okay, it's time to pivot. Even if it's painful financially, even if it's pain, whatever the case might be, I just have to trust that I'm going to go the right direction. And then I need to surround myself with other people that can say, yeah, that's normal. Me too. Like that was a huge yeah. one for me, man, over the years. And is that, is that part of the reason why you join masterminds and stuff too? Is like, I always reference it as like, man, in certain masterminds, I've felt like I was normal for the first time in my life. Whereas in so, my yeah, own head, I yeah. was like, dude, you're freaking crazy. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> yeah. The, the, like the first, I think the first time that I ever remember like being somewhere and being like, Oh my God, like I'm home. It was, it was literally, <clears throat> I think in San Diego, uh, at one of those traffic and conversions. And it was like hanging out with all, all, all the, all the, all the people that, yep. that are all doing the same thing. And most of us were from Vancouver, uh, which is funny because we all met up in San Diego. Yeah. But uh, like, year. I can remember staying yeah. there and being like, man, this is like, and I don't, the crazy part when I go to those things is I don't, I, I, I barely sleep. Like, I, and I'm not like doing anything <laughs> that's going to keep me awake. I just don't oh, want to go to bed. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, the mastermind thing, it, the way that, the way that we kind of look at it and Brad's kind of put this in a little bit more eloquently is that there's like, there's like when you're trying to take on something new that you don't know, there's basically that's like climbing a mountain and in the side of the mountain, there's a learning pit and you can get through the learning pit one of two ways. You can either go into the, the pit and you can figure out how to climb out of it. You know, this one time it might be sand and, and your, uh, your flip flops aren't going to work and you need, you need different kinds of shoes. And then another time it might be mud and you need something different, like, like snowshoes. And you can either go in there and take the time to learn and figure out how to get out of it yourself through trial and error or, you can find somebody that's already gone through the pit, either had somebody else help them or, uh, or, or learn the hard way and, and get them to show you how to do it because yeah. it, it, it's essentially, it's like, it's a shortcut or a cheat code. And the best part about masterminds, especially the good ones is that people are there to raise each other up. It's not about, it's not about, uh, like competition, competition. or egos yeah. and, Everybody's going through different stuff and everybody wants to help other people get up because it helps bring them up. And that's mm -hmm. the one thing that I've noticed is that the more I give, the more it comes back to me when I'm in a situation where I don't know how to figure something out. Yeah. And masterminds are made. If you've got to find a good one and it has to be related to what you're in, but like the people like Ezra's masterminds phenomenal. Like it's all it's e-commerce. So it's, it's not going to be for everybody, but like uh, the relationships that I've built, inside inside of there have like you know whatever it's cost me to be in it have been like a thousandfold yeah yeah i'd actually love to i want to share something and then dig a little deeper too and get your perspective on this to see if you align with it or if you've had a different experience but um i was actually speaking to um a friend of mine the other day who started pila which i'm sure you're familiar with as well right like pila pila case yeah. and all that yeah so my buddy Jeremy started that company. I think we talked about this before, but yeah, yeah so I'm friends with Matt and yeah, yeah, you're friends with yeah, Jeremy. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Jeremy, um, you know, to fast forward through his his journey, he, you know, he had a crazy, big, hairy, audacious goal. I remember him telling it to me in Saskatoon in like 2008, and I was like, cool. And like when I interviewed him a few months ago, he actually said to me, he's like, dude, like I remember back then, like you were the only person that looked at me and listened to me and said 
that sounds freaking awesome, man. Cause everybody else thought I was nuts, you know? And then, you know, years went by and he was in the trenches and him and his wife were handwriting notes to every person that bought a pila case on the kitchen table through holidays and all that stuff. Like that was the real story. And when he was down to his last $10,000, because he was all in on this thing, he actually signed up for, uh, MMT mastermind talks with Jason Gaynors and those guys. Right. And he talks about how he went to that mastermind and the first day he walked in the room and he was feeling such anxiety. And then he got back to the room and he was just like emotionally like drained and crying and called his wife. And he's like, what am I doing here? Like I'm in the wrong place. And she actually talked him off the shelf and said, no, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Go meet some people, just be yourself. And he ended up meeting Matt there and as well as another guy, I can't remember his name now, but Brad, Brad, right. Yeah. So, and between the three of them, um, they went and built this company as well too, which is doing incredibly well and has a very similar kind of foundational, um, why behind it, you know, about the plastic waste and just changing the world in some small way that creates a big impact. How did, how was your experience with that? Cause I know what you've gone through and you've even alluded to it already. The idea of like having anxiety and, and feeling like, and saying out loud that like, look, I got entrepreneur ADD and I, I acknowledge it. Like <laughs> this is who I am. Has have you experienced that as well? Or what's it been like for you walking into those rooms? Like, like the, oh, from, like the, that what, what you just said about Jeremy. Um, it's funny because I've, I've been to tons of different conferences and even like, it's always the first time when you don't really know anybody and you're going in there. If you're not like, you're not primed with the right mindset. Like I, I went to social media, social media marketing world 15, which is the second time that I'd been to it. And, I like, I got there and I went with somebody and he, uh, he was one of the speakers and he, he went up going and, uh, hanging out with some of the other speakers. And I went out the first night and hung out with some people and met some people and I had an all right time. But the next day I woke up in the morning and I'm like, I don't really want to be here. I, I and mm. like, it was like, I don't know if I felt like I didn't fit in or, you know, what, what, it, what it was. And I, I went up, I went up finishing the trip and, and having a good time. I, I found some other people. But, uh, but like, you know, even the first time that we, I went to, uh, like Ezra's mastermind, I didn't know anybody. And like coming up in the, in the first time you talk to somebody, you know, you, you don't, you don't know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And the conversation, the first conversation is always the hardest. Um, yep. but I, I'm personally not somebody that like, I don't love going to like cold networking events where I know nobody. Like it's just, I, I usually wind up finding four or five people and I make a deeper relationship with them versus, like, you know, even trying at, to so even work at, the room. Yeah. Yeah. Even at, even at like, um, uh, uh, digital marketers event, like, you know, we all wound up hanging out in a big group and that just like, you know, other people want to join in the group and we want to bouncing around from party to party, but we always have our little group and, you know, maybe that's my security blanket. I don't know, but like there, the, I guess what it comes down to is, is it's kind of like a, 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 a limiting self or self-limiting belief that uh you're gonna walk in there and people aren't gonna like you or i don't even know what it is but as soon as you get past that uncomfortable step like the the what's on the other side of that and like finding similar people is is amazing and to your point about like jeremy and 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 you find people encouraging you 
What's difficult with entrepreneurship is that most people are not entrepreneurs. Like 99% of people in your family, unless you have like an entrepreneurial family, are not mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. So they're going to give you their advice through their lens. It doesn't mean it's bad advice. It means it's good advice from their perspective. Different perspective. Different perspective. And you, their risk profile could be different than yours. Their, their understanding of the market could be different than yours. There's so many things that they may not have perspective on unless they've lived it. So, you know, those are some of the invaluable things that you get from being connected to other people. I mean, whether they're higher than you or lower than you, you know, obviously you're going to get a mix of that, but getting perspective from people that actually are living the life is going to be probably more valuable. You can, you can probably bookend it with everyday people just to kind of like, pressure test things, but you know, sometimes the best idea is like, I bet you if you asked 99 out of a hundred people that weren't marketers, if I should get in the laundry detergent, I bet you maybe even a hundred, maybe everybody <laughs> would have said no, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and yeah, just, so when we, when we pushed the button, like the go button on that commercial you were talking about, yeah, I pushed the go button and it didn't just start doing that ding, 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 ding thing. I actually sent a text message to somebody that I met when I was selling cell phones at Bell. Uh, uh, her name is uh, Melinda. And I said, hey, check out this new thing we're launching. And I didn't ask her to buy it. She bought it. She was customer number one. Hmm. And that she was, it for day, she was it for day one. And day two, something happened. And all of a sudden, the Facebook ads and the Google ads started started firing. And, and, then, and then it started doing the ding, 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 ding thing. And yeah. but my, my ADD turned into like hyper obsession, OCD focus. And, <laughs> you know, so, you know, all good things don't start necessarily with the button. And it just rips, right? Yeah. Well, I think the last piece you just said there, though, is that, you know, you spent a lot of time preparing for a moment like that and your personality and your addictive nature or your anxiety or whatever you want to call all of these things. They kind of culminate into that moment. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, I'll link it up in the show notes, this UPS commercial, because you'll get it right away. You're just like, but you the people in that commercial, I remember, like, you see the fear in their face. And what I'm hearing from you is you probably went, yes. Now I can do what I do best, you know, like I got a little bit of le little traction here and then you can go squeeze out that 10 years of experience of highs and lows and everything in between. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is a gift, you know, like, and a lot of times I think people might look at that maybe as a, um, as a detriment or something that might hold them back, you know, but right circumstance, right time, right place. Perfect. Every time. Yeah, it's like uh, you know all the all the other things that you do leading up to when an opportunity presents itself. That's like that's like playing in the farm league. That's like play in the NHL. That's like playing in the AHL. You know, when the opportunity comes for you to go up and, and play a game in the NHL, that's when you need to take everything that you've learned and leave it all on the ice and demonstrate that you deserve to be here. Yeah. So th that's the way I look at it. Everything that we had done up until that point was was basically practice in the farm league and if we didn't if i didn't go through all of those highs and lows we would never have been able to capitalize on the opportunity when it presented itself and that's real too you know like there's probably you don't hear about those stories but there's probably a lot of businesses that hit that point where it was like ding 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 and then they didn't have a clue or just the straight up guts to go all right, let's go, you know, like double down, let's 10x the ad spend, let's let's do this, let's hire 30 people because that takes a level of confidence and um experience too. 
to just stupidity. pull the trigger <laughs> <laughs> or whatever stupidity, whatever you want to call it. Right. But a lot Forrest of Gump, For, Forrest, Forrest Gump isms. I, I often like, mm. you know, I refer to myself as Forrest Gump. I don't think I'm necessarily the smartest person in the room, <laughs> but I think I'm like, I'm just dumb enough to not know when to not listen mm. or not listen to, I don't have the little voice saying it's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. You know? Yeah. It sounds like the perfect quotable for this interview right here. <laughs> we'll make sure to extract <laughs> that one out of there. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that comes to mind here too, and because uh, I mentioned I wanted to talk about parenthood and being a dad and stuff too, because it's just a piece of what I'm constantly exploring myself too, of just always wanting to be a better version of myself, be an example for my kids, not tell them what to do, show them what to do, that type of thing. And when you're growing a business like this, naturally it tugs at you, right? Like it's going to demand a lot of your time, your attention, that type of thing. And then you have the state of the world in the last two years, which I'm sure has had a strain on the business. Maybe not. Maybe it's actually accelerated it. But what has it been like being a dad through all of this stuff too with your kids and and just navigating that whole world and the restrictions and the mandates and all of that? I'll just kind of open it up to that and see what comes yeah. up, comes to mind for you. Yeah, man. You know, I think like I think from for the longest time, the first few four, three four years of my kid's life, I like had. I would have like guilt that I wasn't present enough or I wasn't being a good enough dad. And I, I don't know if every dad gets this, but I, I think probably quite a few, a lot do. of the ones and, that I talk to do, you know, and it's funny because I, my dad, I have a great dad and I don't really have a reason to feel like I need to, uh, uh I don't have like a chip on my shoulder to like be like, Oh, my dad didn't pay attention to me or whatever. Right. So I don't really know where it comes from, but I know that especially you know, I'm on my phone a lot at night. I just, I'm not as bad as I used to be, I don't think. But um, I used to feel really bad about being present when I was at home. Mm. And I used to carry a lot of that weight. And um, kind of, you know, I've gone through a few evolutions. And there's at one point where I, I made this thing called minutes that every day the kids get like 15 to 20 minutes, each one independently where they get to pick what we do for, for that, that period. And uh, which wound up, taking a lot of time as it went on because they always wanted to do it. And the problem with that, it was fantastic because I would do the things that they wanted to do and I would feel connected with them and I would feel like they got some attention from me, but it became, they liked it so much that we like couldn't go to a movie or we couldn't, we, we couldn't make plans to do something because they had to have their minutes. Mm. Um, so yeah, it, it, for, it seemed like a great idea in the beginning and I did it for probably a year, but it became an obsessive thing of the kids. So, you know, we kind of moved, we kind of moved away from that and, 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 but it did make me feel really good when we were doing it. Uh, if you have one kid, I think it's probably, it's probably a great, great idea. But yeah. alternatively, I think if I was to do it again, I would probably block it off in my calendar that we're going to do, we're going to hang out and you get to pick what we play and not give it to them where they get the control, like that they know that it's something that happens daily. Yeah. Um, that was one thing that worked well for me. And I know lots of people do that where they block time with their kids. Um, but I think the other thing that's tough for, for dads, especially is like, we're not quite as wired and I'm, I'm totally blanket statement, doing a blanket statement here, but like a lot of the stuff that happens when kids are really little, we're not like, it's not genetically wired into us to like love, like, you know, playing the, these little games and my brain, my personally, my brain has a tendency to go off and start thinking about something else. So even if I'm not on my phone, I'll be there and I'm just being a shitty play partner. Right. Mm. Um, but what I've noticed as the kids get a bit older, like Josh, for instance, he's my, he's my oldest kid. He's seven. He, he's playing, been playing hockey. He never really liked it. And then just this last week, he wanted to start shooting pucks. 
so that he could get better at shooting off off the ground. Yep. And we've we've been going down and shooting pucks at the cement wall in my backyard, which is covered in dirt now. But uh, every day, <laughs> and he's like, Let's, "Can we go play hockey? Can we go play hockey?" And what I'm really starting to enjoy is like identifying the things that they want to be good at, and then trying to spend time with them on those things yeah. uh, instead of like just trying to jam any old like like it's kind of almost like uh Montessori school, right? Like trying to figure out what they like and then yep. spending, even if it's 10 minutes, man, kids just need to feel like you care and that they, that they want to be, they want, they want some attention from you uh, tied to tied to what they want to talk about or think about. And I, I think we probably overthink what it is, but honestly, I, I'm just rambling here. I've actually, I feel like I've gotten better as a whole at uh, disconnecting my, uh, my obsessive thought patterns from during the day to when I get home. And like, mm. I used to be really good at it if I could go to the gym before I went home, but the pandemic's kind of, yeah, put a, some weird bullets in, in, in that one. But yeah, parenting's hard. You know, it's, I don't think any, there's no, there's no manual for it and every kid's different and they all have different needs. And for, I'm just, you know, I would love to have a little bit more free time to do what they want, but right now it's it's just trying to give them the quality some quality time so that they don't like resent me or you know because uh, it goes fast yeah no i appreciate you sharing your perspective on that because every answer is perfect and it's also an opportunity for reflection that's part of the reason why i'm doing this as well is to like pick up on pieces of what you're saying and see areas of how i'm showing up or not and where can i make some shifts there but I just think about um, like values and stuff too. I know I did some work with uh, Dr. Nima Romani in Vancouver there too, where I was reflecting on values. And when, when you put as, a, as an entrepreneur, a lot of times we're all wired the same, like you and I are very similar, you know, and anybody that's listening yeah. and hearing our stories and stuff, they're going to be like, Oh man, like some people are going to be like, that's me. That's me too. And to just acknowledge it. And to know that, Maybe your highest value is your career slash business. And then second is family. I know when I went through an exercise on that, that was the order when I first had my kids and I felt so much guilt over it, man. And then I, you know, worked through it and worked through it and then actually shifted the story and the perspective on it of like, look, if I show up fully committed and so passionate to something and actually see it through and create financial abundance and just true love of something and my kids see that that's serving them, you know, no, mm, that's not to say totally. that you should obsessively do that and never give your kids any time. Everything's all in balance, like all things in life, but it allowed me to just kind of look at it through a different lens, you know, instead of the guilt, I was like, no, I'm just consciously aware of it now. And therefore I'm not going to beat myself up when I'm, you know, doing the thing that I love, because that's ultimately, I think all we want for our kids too is, you just yeah. referenced it, you know, they say, I want to shoot pucks. Hell yes. Let's go shoot pucks. You know, if they said, I want to play guitar or I want to dance or whatever it is, it's all the same. Just, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I feel like too, like tied to that. It's like leading by example. Right. And I feel like part of the reason my son didn't really like hockey is because I wasn't playing hockey. He couldn't see me play. And you can see that leading by example in the end. I'm going to go back to NHL again. Like, look how many players are children of people that played in the NHL. Like, yes, oh, they yeah. have an unfair advantage that their dad can teach them how to play hockey, but they're also 
watching their dad play hockey on TV. They're watching their dad play TV in the stands. They yeah. want to be like their dad. And if you're the dad that's always looking at your phone when you're at home and you're not having a conversation with your kids and they're not like, it's one thing to see you working, but if you're just like not actively present when you're physically there, they're going to think that, Hey, dad does it. That's pretty cool. Let's just like chill on our iPads and be a vegetable, right? Like yeah. you have to, you have to find a way to demonstrate how to be, how to exist. And yeah. What's the, what's the best way to, or not the best way to do it, but the way that you've chosen. Yeah. Have you ever heard of uh, Garrett Gunderson before? Are you familiar with him? Wealth Factory. I think, but I think his I've heard of Wealth Factory. Yeah. So Garrett's, he's done talks and stuff, mostly around the financial side of things, but he ended up doing this kind of off the wall talk at, um, I think it was Genius Network, um, Joe Polish. Yep. And he was speaking about, uh, marriage and his relationship with his wife and his family and all that kind of stuff, which is a total 180 from what he usually talked about. And he even actually uncomfortably said at the start, he's like, I've never talked about this before. I don't even know what's going to come out of my mouth. But what he ended up doing as somebody like us was he started to just create rules around what he was committed to doing. And like one of them was a quarterly retreat with his wife, non-negotiable, like in the calendar, two, three days away at a hotel away from the kids, you know? And yeah. then he had these, these numbers to it. It was like 67 and six or whatever it was, but it was like se every seven days or, or seven days, a quarter you spend time with by yourself without the family, without your wife, like me time, you know, whatever that yeah. looks like playing hockey, um, going on a trip, whatever. And then six o'clock for him, he said six o'clock, all technology turned off. And then they just, they worked it into their routine, knowing that like he knew who he was. If he didn't create structure around all of those things, none of them would happen because they just constantly get pushed back and there'd always be something else, you know? And yeah. that one really grounded for me. I'm actually looking at a whiteboard here right now because my Char and I went in November on our first quarterly retreat and did literally nice. nothing, like watched the new, new James Bond movie and slept and ate. <laughs> Well, we're going again in February and now it's starting to become a bit of a routine and eventually it'll be a habit. And then it'll just, we won't even think twice. Just like, Hey, when's the retreat? When are we going away again? That's awesome. That's awesome. And we had to do that though, to wire it in our brains so that we didn't just be reactive because we knew that we'd always find something else to be busy with because we're constantly seeking and we're trying new things and we just made it work for us. And that's been super helpful for yeah, what it's worth. That's yeah. I, you know what? I think that's something that I could take away from this and like, it's, I, I find that if I don't schedule time for, for things, then it, it never happens. Yeah. I'll send you that link uh, to that video. I think you'd enjoy watching it. Um, how are we doing for time here? I got a last set of questions to ask you. You good for like yeah, another good. six, seven minutes? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. So I always end off these interviews with uh, the same questions. Then that way I get the perspective of every single person that comes in and I can go back and, you know, this again, this is my marketer brain going like, geez, I can go back and mash these all together and... But I refer to this as the power of one lightning round. Now, you don't have to answer with one word answers. Feel free to elaborate, but it's all kind okay. of around this theme of one. All right. So first question is, who is one person or mentor that you believe has been the most in influential in your life all time? So you can go right back to childhood if you want. Yeah, um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to say my parents just as a combo. They, they, weren't, they, they weren't together after I was about 14, but they didn't ever tell me I couldn't do something. And I think not having that limitation uh, placed on me 
probably gave me the an opportunity to go and you know explore what I wanted. Cool. Love it. Next question. Who is one person or mentor that you feel is the most influential in your life right now? So in this moment, um, I'll probably go with Brad. I mean, he's, he's driving a lot of the leadership for, for our business and that's my Brad main Liskey. focus. And Mr. Brad. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably be excited to hear that. Available he's, on Amazon, yeah. everybody. Available on Amazon. <laughs> I'll link it I don't, up. Think, I, don't think, I don't think he does coaching or anything like that, but you know, yep. he, just being, he's taking the reins on a lot of things that, uh, operationally and from a leadership perspective that I probably wouldn't have had as many opportunities if he didn't kind of steer the ship. Yeah. That's a great answer. It's, I think of Jeremy in the context of Matt's and, and, his Brad on, on the Pila side too. He talks, he referenced it as like, Jeremy's the heart. Um, Matt's the brains and, uh, Brad was the muscle. So they just had this yeah. kind of three pronged approach. And I, I see, I'm not sure which one's the heart and the brains and the muscle in your guys' dynamic, but I definitely see like Brad has such a different, um, just experience and background and vibe. Like you guys are very different people, you know, yeah. but you complement each other very well. Very, very specific uh, skill sets. And yeah, we, we kind of stick in our own lanes and um, we're kind of much greater as uh, a sum than independently. All right. Next question. What is one philanthropic cause that means the most to you and why? If I was to like, so uh, I organized something about... 10 years ago, it was called Hack Your Hair for Huntington's Disease. I'm like, I haven't done it. I haven't done it since, but my sister passed away from Huntington's uh, mm. about eight years ago. Um, and we raised quite a bit of money for a number of different things with, with True Earth. We raised some money with a, a past startup as well. But, um, you know, she, uh, when she passed away, she passed away in her sleep. Um, and she, when she, before she passed away, she said that she wanted her brain to be donated to science to have, mm. um, sorry, <clears throat> making me tear off a bit to, so that, uh, so that she could try to help other people. And, um, sorry. <clears throat> um, oh, good man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It's, uh, but you know, she, she only, she's only here for 18 years, but she basically gave her life and what, you know, to, to be able to, uh, she existed so that people could work towards finding a cure for other people. And, mm -hmm. you know, this kind of just brings me back to thinking that I need to do more to, that, to kind of help that cause. But that would be wh where I would probably lean if I was, uh, to lean into something outside of what we're already doing. Yeah. No, it's beautiful, man. I, uh, whenever I ask people that question, a wide range of feedback comes back. Some people say, mm, geez, I don't really give my money to anything. And then the next person says, yeah, I don't give my money to anything because the work that I do actually, I feel is my philanthropic work. And that was the media place that I thought that you might went to go to, right? Because like what you're doing is actually reducing plastic waste and therefore it's helping save the world. But it obviously brought up something completely different, which is perfect. You know, it, it came in at exactly the right time. What for whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, and the other the other thing too, like if I was to, if I, I, I just came to my mind is like stuff to do with kids, man. Like I donate to I do donate to Children's Hospital. Mm -hmm. Their program, their their program is aggressive. I don't like that part of about it, but um, you know, I feel 
I feel for especially kids that don't have people, um, and and obviously childhood illnesses and stuff like that. But I just I feel like there's so many yeah. unjust there's, things that happen to kids. There's one yeah. of my donations as well. My my sister. That's where my sister was when she passed. Was at Canuck Place. So no they're kidding. they're a fantastic they're a fantastic organization, and I I'm grateful that that you you contribute to them because they're uh, if uh, like oh man so so many great things I. I Donate to donate to Connect Place. They're amazing. Yep, and Children's Hospital too. Those are the two that yeah. we actually give our money to as well. And uh, actually held a story for a long time that I didn't, and it wasn't even true at all. It was like, I well, I don't have enough money to create a lot of impact. Like if I'm going to give money, I'm going to give money, you know. And somebody actually just framed it for me at one point. It's like just set up the fifty dollar auto payment, and you know, it's a step in the right direction. You imagine if. You know, a hundred people did that, the impact that would make. Exactly. Like, yeah, man, it does. So I'm glad we got to say that one out loud too. Yeah. All right. A couple more questions for you here. <laughs> what is one thing you are most grateful for right now? The health of my children, my family. It's a good one in today's, today's day and age, 100%. What is one thing you are most curious about right now and looking to explore and discover more about? Um, I don't really want to be the cliche crypto guy, but, uh, all, all the defy stuff, you know, mm. it, unfortunately it checks a lot of the dopamine boxes in my brain. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, in, it's interesting to me. I don't know. I don't necessarily think I'm going to go down the rabbit hole, but it's like one of the, and like economics as a whole, it sounds like the nerdiest topic ever, but kind of tied to my whole future, my the way that I, I think, you know, yep. very future, future focused, um, economics and, and where, you know, where, where things are going with, um, uh, the economy and, and what, what's going to be the future of, of, uh, fiat. And yeah, I don't know. That, yep. That's, 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 that's kind of got me not, not, not for the, like the, I need gre- I'm being greedy reasons, but it just the whole futurism side of it is yep. fascinating to me. Yeah. We're very aligned on that one. Cause it's, it's yeah. Like just what impact will it have in, in everything, including our kids and education and how knowledge is transferred and, and rewarded for that matter. Right. Like the whole yeah. foundation of the blockchain and stuff of like, if you are the original source of creation for something that you're actually compensated in perpetuity. Like when I first heard that, I was like, Oh, I get it. This is, this shit's a game changer. Now, by when, you know, is it, where are we going to feel this now in a month, 10 years, who knows? But yeah, I'm pretty obsessively curious over that too. <laughs> oh, I'll talk about it sometime. <laughs> well, that's it. I was just going to say, I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you because I know how you operate. And, and when I get down that path where I'm like, Hey dude, you got any courses I should take or books I should read? Like, I'm sure you'll be the person to answer that question. <laughs> All right. Last question for you, man, is what is one thing that scares you right now that you know you need to meet with bravery? I mean, it kind of goes back to the whole economics side of things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about the future of um, like, I mean, finance. Like, I, I feel like we're in this like hyperinflation. But I, I, again, I, it's not, this is what I'm scared of. I, like, I'm, in, I'm scared of hyperinflation. I'm scared that uh that the the amount of uh, money that's being printed is, is like <clears throat> devaluing 
like, I mean, essentially, like if you're if you're printing this much money, and you're and you're and the government's also selling bonds at a certain fixed percentage, if you own double the amount of money in circulation, you'd effectively cut the the, the your your promise to the person in half. You might you still get the same percentage of money, but you're not getting the same percentage of value. And I think this I'm, I'm concerned about these debt cycles and. Um, I don't know I, that I, I spend a lot of time considering that thought and yeah. trying to trying to think like what are the solutions to this like how how, how do you go about it and you know nobody has that answer but um, <clears throat> it sounds like a really dry boring thing to think about but it's it's you know like it's tied to things like okay I've got my money for my kids saved for for college or yeah. whatever it is like. <clears throat> is that going to be even close to the same value? Like, you know, you go and you get 5% on a, or that's, that's being like ridiculous. If you're getting 3% on, on some bonds and inflation is listed at 6%, then it's actually, you know, double that or triple that. Like, like, am I better off just spending the money and like, or, you know, yeah, just, and, and that doesn't concern me as much for me because I, you know, again, like I said before, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm uh, I'm good at getting through these types of things, but yeah. there's lots of people in this world who are going to be in a potential really bad spot if this doesn't get resolved. Yep, that's a great that's a great one, and it's something that um, that I think about a lot too, and and constantly contemplate how I can be a part of the solution, knowing that the big picture is daunting. Like, how do you even put a dent in that answer to that question? You know, but what I think of too is, you know, what we hear in the news is 4.5 million people a month losing their jobs or quitting their jobs in the United States. 4.5 million a month, you know? It's insane. Yeah. And some of those people are just bouncing from company to company that's adapting and allowing them to work remotely or whatever it is, you know, maybe it was a blessing. Some people are diving into business and entrepreneurship. And we know, like, the majority of this conversation was, I think, centered around like, Hey, this is a crazy ass space to be in. And you got to be a little crazy to actually thrive in this space and, or go surround yourself with really good people that complement your weaknesses. But there's a lot of people that are going to suffer through this too. And that's what I think about is how do you support every one of those types of people, you know, through, through this whole disruption that's happening. Cause that's what it is. It's just a massive yeah. disruption. And I think we're just totally, at the start of yeah. it. Oh, I mean, you look at Vancouver just as a as a prime example. Like, it's not only expensive to to purchase a house here; it's like it's insane. Um, you know, it's it's nuts. But then the like, it's not a supply. And, it's not it's not an inflated market because the rent there's there's no there's no vacancy to rent. So mm. there's this insane demand here that makes it almost unlivable, which is bizarre because considering that so many jobs are remote now, and you're seeing it pretty much everywhere in in at least in Canada the same the same behavior. So like, I don't know how people. Can, I, I just don't understand how. It just doesn't. I don't. It doesn't. The math, the math doesn't add up to me, and I just don't think yeah. that it. I don't. I don't know how it could be sustainable. Yeah. Well, maybe you guys should just move down to 
Costa Rica with us <laughs> or Panama. And that's got its its own challenges too, you know, like inflation and, and rising costs and gentrification of different areas around the world. Because like when you actually like in, in my space, and I know you're in the same kind of thing, but for me, I work with a lot of business owners, supporting them on the marketing side of things as like a fractional CMO and multiple other things. But you talked, so many people I talk to are not just talking about moving outside of Vancouver or wherever it is, they're doing it and they're already there. Like a lot of them are already there, you know, and it's Mexico, yeah. it's, it's Panama, it's, it's Central America, South America, Asia, Southeast Asia. And they're not even hesitating because they can buy 3000 square foot, beautiful houses with ocean views and pools for a third yeah. of what they can get in their local market. And they can work remotely and Elon Musk putting satellites up in the air that allows you to work in a jungle. Yeah. Like the world's changing <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's crazy and it's going to be a mess before it gets, um, blissful again. But I think it's pretty freaking awesome though, too. And I feel very adaptable to the whole situation. And part of it is because I know guys like you. So, um, just acknowledgement to you, man. Like it's been too long since we've actually hopped on and done a chat. I, I look forward to the next one again. Let's make sure it's not so long in between this time, but it's so cool to see what you guys got going on and, you know, just everything that you're doing, your commitment to be the best version of yourself, man. Uh, just really appreciate you doing this with me. Thanks, man. I appreciate having me on the show. Yeah. So how can people find out more about you and True Earth and uh, all that stuff? Yeah. I, I mean, you could, I'm not like, uh, I don't have like a .com for myself or anything like that, but you could find no me No personal on brand for or, Ryan McKenzie? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, whatever. I, I, I think uh, the people that know me know me. I don't, I don't. I've considered it just, but yeah, you can, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on, on, uh, LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there. I don't talk too much on LinkedIn, but if you send me a message on Facebook, I, I pretty much answer anybody that, that messages me. Um, yeah. and yeah, true earth, you can find true earth at, uh, T R U dot E A R T H. There we go. There's no.com. It's T R U dot E A R T H. If you want to try it out, but yeah, no pressure, no pressure. Cool. Yeah, well, like I say, we got it. It's upstairs. I wish I would have brought the box down here, but I'm looking forward to testing it out. And obviously, you can get it in in stores as well, too. It's not just an online brand anymore. But cool, man. Well, thanks so much again for doing this. And uh, we'll have to talk again real soon here. All right, man. Thanks, Trevor. See thanks, ya. buddy. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of The Trevor Turnbull Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please consider subscribing on my YouTube channel and on your favorite podcast platform and leave me a review. I'd love to hear from you. Now, until next time, remember, today is a beautiful day of opportunity. Trust that you're exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So be grateful, be curious, and be brave.